Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar Schaller. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Transparent. I mean, Aaron. <laughs> Sorry. Bad shirt day. I'm Brent. And uh, today we're going to talk about Rise of the Robots. But before we do, uh, we are going to go over some other stuff. First things first, the Amigos listeners poll. Uh, we need you. This is the last few days of running this thing. Literally. I mean, it's literally. We're going to record this show early next week. You need to make sure and go to the link in the show notes. Don't or, wait till the 11th hour. Yeah, or at AmigosPodcast.com and vote for your top 10 games because we're going to have a, a listener's top 10. Um, please do that because I want to. we've gotten a lot of response so far, but I know we haven't gotten everybody. So please do that. Um, we also got some feedback last week about uh we were talking about the risk architecture mm-hmm. and the acorn archimedes so we jumped out of our comfort zone right really. yeah. and uh so we were like well i don't know if anything else ever used the risk processor and i believe was the 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 gist of it and it turns out nearly every mobile mobile phone sold today uses the risk processor well i mean that's so. like what only <laughs> Two, three million, hundred million units. Right. That's nothing. And uh, it's funny because you know, ARM these days stands for Advanced Risk Machines Limited, but originally it was Acorn Risk Machines, mm. makers of the Archimedes. So uh, they are um, Cambridge. They're based in Cambridge, I guess. Chris Folds wrote in with this, yeah. and uh, he said that there are quite a few people that uh, that got very, very rich working for these companies that made these devices. So. Mm. So thank you, Chris, for setting us straight on that. I think the ARM, I think that is what was in the GP2X. I think there were two of those in it. Mm-hmm. Now I think about it, that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up is, remember, this has probably been four or five weeks ago, um, Will Williams wrote in talking about uh, there's new graphics cards for the Zorro 2 yes. based Amigas. Uh, and uh, we weren't really sure what that meant. Well, he's written in with an explanation. All right. Um, He says that using these cards extend the graphics capabilities of the Amiga from 32 colors or 64 in half bright mode to 4096. And uh, you can even go up to resolutions up to 1280 by 1024 or even greater. Wow. Yeah. So So BGA level graphics there. Right. Exactly. Um, And he said that, uh, you know, new boards... The, the new boards are going to have uh, device driver libraries, so you can actually use Deluxe Paint and stuff like that in those mega high resolutions. Sweet. Yeah. So thank you, Will, for writing in and giving us more information about that. And next up, I want to plug a new podcast called Dang. Tapes from the Crypt. And here it is. I'm going to resize a little bit there. I'm having a real hard time doing that for some reason. I'll just duck. There we go. Tapes from the Crypt. Tapes from the Crypt. Now, uh, you may remember Mark McDonald 
from our Patreon supporters list. Yes. Uh, he is, he's got a new blog called Tapes from the Crypt. Okay. And what that is, is uh, he's writing about going to different uh, comic book shows and thrift stores and places like that. And he buys just like VHS tapes and toys, and it's just kind of a, a report of the haul that he brings in each. Just time. like just like blank tapes, and he didn't know what's on them. He watches them, that sort of thing. Sometimes it's that, and sometimes it's like you know, here's the first season of Sequest DSV on VHS. You know, so, so there's a downside. To it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really cool, uh, it's a really cool site. Make sure you check it out. Uh, tapes I like the name. from the Crypt. Yeah. Com. yeah. Beauty. Good luck. For news this week, we've got, uh, I saw this on Reddit, you can actually play Lemmings in your browser. Mm. Uh, this is a JavaScript-based Lemmings, and it's literally a one-click, start the game and you go. There's, uh, it's got sound, it looks great, and it just runs right in your browser. Slick. Yeah. So is it running an Amiga version of that, or is it a PC I version? It looked good. I mean, it looked more like it looked just like the version that we played. Now, of course, the GUI is different. <clears throat> uh, you look, you can see here on the screen if you're watching the YouTube version, uh, it's not quite the same. But the the graphics of the playfield look just like the Amiga version. Slick. That's great. HTML5. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah I guarantee that's, awesome. that's what that's in. Uh, some Amigos uh, site news. Uh, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. I re-registered our domain. So we have to keep the podcast going at least one more year. <laughs> so we get for it. Quick, make more games. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have. Um, one year, eh? Yeah. What do you think about that when you reflect? I know we'll probably do most of our reflecting in, a, in our big super special. But that much said, what do you think uh, after a year? I never thought we'd be able to do 50. Mm. You know, I, I thought we'd, you know, we'd have a good show, but we wouldn't be able to record every week. Something would happen, but we make it happen somehow. I am thoroughly impressed at your at your all's dedication. <laughs> I seriously, I'm impressed I that am. I could get out the door for this many <laughs> this many hours anywhere. So, um, what do you have for news this week, Aaron? Just two little bits, and uh, uh, the first one is that uh, the game we're talking about today. All right, and I was going to say this, but I'll bring it up here because it's sort of newsish. Uh, Rise of the Robots. Um, Rise of the Robots. We'll go into this in greater detail, but uh, when it shipped, it had a few tiny gameplay flaws. <laughs> Just a few. And there's a, and so I got to look and someone released a super special edition for the Amiga, where they attempt to go in and repair these minute flaws. Uh, Did they do it by just substituting the code from another game? <laughs> In fact, they enhanced, uh, there's added audio and video, there's added sound, and their gameplay tweaks, uh, and there are a, a, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's a burnable disc. Guess what? Gray area, uh, but uh, uh, I own a copy, so I guess I can freely do it. Uh, but... Uh, uh, why didn't we play that version on the live stream? Well, I don't have it yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but that much said, uh, it, I will have a follow up once I get it pulled down. You definitely need to revisit. You can actually but... you can no, actually we... burn it and 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 uh, yeah, we'll have a, have a revisit episode. Mm -hmm. But you can burn it and knock it off the CD32. So if you're hankering for some pain, uh, we'll put a link up and you can give this a shot. 
Go ahead. So this graphic is actually from a 2000 or 2001 PBS documentary. I was wondering. I, I saw that when I was researching. So. Yeah. The uh, other bit of news, you won't have a graphic for this one, Bo, but this one I'll save for you just for last. You did know. How did you know? I spent a lot of time preparing stuff. You were on my Google Plus, weren't you? Yep. You dog. <laughs> they have released a version of Lionheart for the PC and Mac. So for our PC and Mac brethren, you'll have a chance to experience this fine, fine game. Mega exclusive, no more. So I recommend you follow the link and go over and pick this up. And you tell Boat, please write him to tell him that this is a good game and he's missed the boat. Hopefully they fix the controls. That's all I've got to say. I might even have to try this out and see if you they get did. used to them. If it's on a just Mac, like you how can you hate it? Just like you get used to losing a leg or something, you know? Yeah. Like, that's a little morbid. Uh, so, moving on, we've got some site updates this week. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> Bring it up again, you'll lose a leg. Uh, Dreamcatcher wrote, uh, wrote up a, a great review of the Bedrooms to Billions. I read um, it. I still haven't watched it yet, but his review was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he came away with a, a little bit of a better, more positive impression than I did. Like I said, I, I really liked the first half of the movie. The last half I was less less thrilled about, but it's still it's still worth watching, and it's definitely worth reading his review. Um, he also wrote about something interesting, a graveyard of Commodore 64 games. <laughs> Yes, so you know the, E.T. right? Yes. So you know the the Ala Mesa landfill or whatever the name of it is is the most famous one of these. But apparently there was a Commodore game that just sold so poorly, or they had to pull it for some reason that a guy literally took a backhoe, took out some ground, brought over the tax people so they could see yeah, it happening, had to and do it in front of the cassettes and tax or insurance yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, make sure you check that out. Read up on that on the site. And I don't remember them saying anything about them smashing or anything. So there could be, but they were cassette tapes, weren't they? Right. As I recall, yes. Yeah, so the, I don't know. They're not going to survive the ravages of time. Hey, if they were well sealed, you never know. You, you never, never know. know. I'd go dig one up. Uh, we also played some games last week. Uh, I played Mousetrap uh, for oh, the Amiga. That's a good game. Yeah, very good. This is different than the arcade game. I was wondering um, about that. Yeah, it's uh, but it's it's still really fun. It's kind of a puzzle platformer. The Aquatic Game starring James Pond. Yes. This you, was a you game. missed that on this brand. I, that's a good game. This I was, know this it was well. You, how do you, did you play this before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When did you play it? Aaron, I'm in the emulators just like you are. I, we'd never even heard of it until, until uh, I think it was O'Brien's uh, yeah. Gaming suggested it. Right, right. He was, he's, was either him, was it him, or was it? No, I think it's Dreamcatcher is the big James Pond guy. Was it? Yeah. I, I know someone suggested that, and I was baffled. I was like, what? Is that? And we played this last week, and God, it was. It was great. It's a great track it was like, and field like it was, game. Yeah, it was. But it's got even more stuff going on. It's wacky. Yeah. And then finally, uh, when I was at the technology conference for work last week, Ooh. I brought along the portable Amigo Studio, mm -hmm. and I recorded uh, me playing through a game called Flood. Have you guys heard of Flood before? I never. I think I'd read it. It was on someone's resume that we'd went over, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, it's a it's a platformer. That you can, but you can climb the walls. That's kind of the big hook. Um, and there's, um, it's more of a exploration type uh, type platformer than a just side scrolling thing. Um, but it's got you know tons and tons of levels. It's really fun. I highly recommend Flood. So check that out on the site. We've got a uh, Amigos plays of that up. And uh, that's it. That's I'll, all for the site. Updates. I've got one more. I just thought okay. about this. I got an email. Uh, 
I guess from the company, maybe? I'm not sure. I just, I happened to notice this when I was leaving work today. The, uh, remember a while back we talked about the uh, Amiga that was, sh that was in the works that was basically a drive. You could just plug your disc in it, it would play the game. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Apparently they are now available. This is this was the Kickstarter project, right? I I can't remember exactly the context, but we talked about it. Uh, there's two flavors of it. One flavor is it looks like a disc drive. You plug your Amiga game into it, it, it and it's got HDMI out. It's mm -hmm. got uh, I think it's got USB ports, and uh, I think it's got storage through a like an SD card. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is just the exact same thing, but there's no drive. There's no disc drive. It is. So at, the, at that, yeah, at that point, well, I read I read a little bit more into it, and basically, it's an Android. It's run. It runs Android, and it's got WinUAE installed on it. Is and, that is yeah. that pretty much what's and on it? And the floppy controller works with that. The, so a lot of people are a little bit upset by this project because they really? think that you're getting charged a whole lot for something that's not really that special. But to me, if you went to the trouble to build a custom floppy controller for an emulator, I mean, that's worth something. The I, the I think the uh, the floppy version was 179 pounds, which I don't know what I don't know what the trans the the transfer is. Expensive. One and a half. Yeah. Uh, is it still one and a half on pounds? For pounds, it's I almost, think it was it's almost pounds. two to one. It could have been euros. I can't euros remember. is almost the same as dollars. Um. The uh, and then the other one was like one. 39 or something like that for the one without the drive. Mm -hmm. I'm like you. The drive, at least you've got something there. Look at this wacky thing. You right. Know? But hey, in terms of portability uh, and features, it's, it's not bad. You know, what did people think it was going to be? Right. Right. You know, why, and also, uh, you know, just saying, oh, it's just you win UAE. Win UAE is awesome. And it, it's, you know, why it's going to be hard to improve on. Yeah. It would be better for them to use WinUAE than to come up with their own homegrown emulator that probably would not work as right. well. Right. I mean, so. even um, Amiga Forever, pretty much effectively, it's they're all pretty much everything. It's anything. Everything runs, runs on WinUAE. Yeah. You know, it's a neat thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, um, I would not. I would like to have one to have a look at mm -hmm. for sure. Hey, send us a review copy. Yeah, we I'm always more than accept. happy to, to, to have a go at it. <laughs> it looks interesting, but I mean, if, if people are upset. Uh, that kick and I don't know how that wall went down, but I mean, again, here's the way I look at it: If you plug this thing into your television set, can you play Amiga games on it perfectly? If you can, you, that's a pretty good deal, right? Mm -hmm. What's Amiga 1200 cost you? What's the What's CD32 cost? Do they have HDMI? No, you know. So there's something to be said. Yeah. And really, that's what you're paying for. You're mm -hmm. paying for the the convenience, right? And the well, connections. It's funny because you're paying for the convenience, but at the same time, you're also inserting multiple floppy disks well, you know, into the game. So it's convenience, but with a it's like touch retro, of nostalgia. Yeah, retro and I think it even emulates. Uh, I mean, it it reads the disks. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I believe it said you could t you could rip the disk directly to the device. Mm -hmm. But then again. It kind of reminds me of those. Kind of reminds me of those turntables that they advertise. You can you know rip MP3s from your records. I've got a, VH, a VCR that's like that with the USB. Mm -hmm. But I will say, if you have a, a large collection of personally made stuff, you know, uh, art, mm -hmm. animation, music. What an awesome, easy way to just knock your whole collection off real quick. Very true. You know, so there are uses for the disc drive. I think if I got one, I could probably forgo the drive. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I would. I don't need it, but it's a drive. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be cool. But anyway, apparently, they, I mean, it said available now. So 
hmm. and they I don't know if they've been available for a while, but it's the first I've heard of it. Someone sent this to me, so there yeah. you go. Well, uh, we've got some hardware to talk about. Aaron's brought some things. It's been a while since we've done a hardware review. Why don't you talk a little bit about this bad boy first? Well, I thought we'd bring some stuff out. Uh, me and Boat are going to be doing some uh, uh, the, the early, early 80s. And this thing worked on the uh, on the uh, all the you know Atari connection machines. The wacky thing about it, I remember when I first got it, I was surprised that it had a, its own power adapter. Let me let me see, let's show the crowd how it's all packed in here. Switch camera. Half that. Wow, where did you pick that up from? Uh, from a uh, used video game store that is no longer with us. Unfortunately, mm. they went away. Is that that place that was down there by in Nitro? The, yeah. Um, in fact, I got all this stuff, all the joysticks there. Anyway, this thing's kind of neat. Uh, we've been playing some stuff like that could that we could have experimentation with. So I thought, what the heck? We'll give this a whirl. Uh, you've got your uh, I like this. This here's your Wico trackball. Uh, super duper documentation. This trackball has been modified by the Z by Zebra Systems. The original Wic, uh, Wico warranty is voided. However, Zebra Systems will replace or repair the trackballs. Over a period of 90 days, mm -hmm. that might be out. Uh, the enclosed trackball is compatible with most computers that accept Atari compatible joysticks. And here's the ones it's got listed that you can use on. So check this out Atari 800, mm -hmm. Atari ST, mm -hmm. Commodore 64, 64C, 128, VIC 20, Amiga, and the Timex TS 2068. Uh, a pretty good array. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what was modified, to be honest with you. Here's a little thing here that uh, uh, this thing I think this also this will work on the TI 994A. I read that because it's on the it's actually on the box. Mm -hmm. um, so th this thing having a power adapter I just thought was weird. What yeah. do you think? What do you? Well, I really have not. Well, it says that it's got a microcontroller inside of it, so maybe that's why you know it needs the. Uh, this is a very heavy duty thing. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Have you seen this before, Brent? I have not. The Atari 800, or I mean, the Atari 5200 trackball, I don't think was nearly that that it, well put together. Well, that and you could beat them yeah. to death with that trackball. So we're gonna have some Amiga in future episodes. We're gonna have some Amiga trackball fun. Uh, we're gonna fire up our old faithful 500 uh, and uh, try some games. I'm thinking Marble Madness. Yep, mm -hmm. uh, it's the one that comes to mind. And uh, pretty much, I guess I wonder if this works as a joystick or a mouse. I wonder if you could use this as a mouse. Probably so. Interesting, Probably so, right? Yeah. So yeah, this is actually heavy enough that if you put it on your desk, the feet are a little slick. Probably a little slicker than they because they've hardened. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, this is something you could definitely plop on your desk. It's heavy enough that you can you can get you know, some momentum going. You're not gonna slide it across the desk if you're careful with it, or you can even be pretty violent with it. It's got pretty good spin motion. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, it's a good little track. But I will, clean. I, Very clean. I've only tried it once or twice. I mean, you could tell that the feet look like they're practically brand new. Yeah. Well, well, actually, they're they're hard though. They well, they're old, hard. but yeah. that's that's old. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so we'll give that a shot. And you can see on the bottom it says Atari Connor sixty four TS twenty or sixty eight, which is a Timex Sinclair. Is that the same as the Spectrum? Is that, is that uh, the, the, the US may, version I, of the Spectrum? Yeah, I, I, know I know they're related. It. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Here you go. You want to this play. thing is interesting too. I'm really curious about what kind of modification Zebra Systems made to yes. it. Yes, you know? uh, and the thing is, I'll tell you something. My original plan for this was to look up a little history of Wico, right? The Wico Corporation. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? 
there is no history. They're like a shadow corp. Mm. <laughs> I searched for hours to try to find any morsels about the company. They don't have a wiki. They don't have a, 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 a date they were born. I don't know if they're still around. I don't know if they merge with anybody. I can't get a list of their products. I could find nothing. Which there is crazy. are no videos of that on YouTube, except for one guy who doesn't show it. He just uses it to play something. So there are no videos well, of that. Well, we're going to make some. Which is, it just struck me as weird. Now, this is the box, the controller I've stashed somewhere in here, but I don't know where at home, but I don't know where it was. But this is, I've got two of these. This is your Wico Command Control. Let me get it over. I guess I got that. And uh, I like them. You ever use one of these? No, I've never used the command control. I know it's one of the people's favorites whenever they talk about their favorite joysticks. Yes. Um, and for the ones listening at home, uh, this is the one with the button on top as well as a button on the joystick, kind of the platform that the stick comes out of. Uh, also, available plays on all your Atari-style outlets. Yeah, the, uh, the neat thing about these is <clears throat> well, it's a good and bad. There's only one button. The, there's a switch right. on it that lets you choose between the, using the button on the top or using the button on the base. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the good thing about Wico stuff is it's, I mean, it lasts forever. I mean, I'll, they never go bad. What do you, what do you see? Um, reading here, uh, two fire buttons plus a two-position slide switch for one or two-handed arcade response and feel. And I'm guessing there's a slide switch that makes it so you're either using the top button or the button on the yeah, they, base of the joystick. I think the, the two-handed feel they're talking about is one hand's moving the, the joystick and one and, hand's got the button. Uh -huh. Yeah, Interesting stuff. Let's see, let's see if the docks are in here. 82. Yeah, that's about right. This originally sold for $30. I believe I got it for five dollars when I bought it used. Yeah, you really cleaned up at that place. Well, you know they were. I never seen Doc. Yeah, here, look at that. There's your. Uh... That's this big. I'm guessing this is multiple languages. A little better in the back there and see if it's all English. Or no, something. wow. I think it's all. It's all yeah. English. All right, the this time. is a for the ones listening at home. This is a four, five, six, seven, eight-page booklet. The funny thing is, if you look in here. Right here, it's got a, it's like meet the entire command line, and you can see it right there. And, and, and so, look up, you can tell what camera we're switched to. Yeah, quick look here at these uh, other sticks they've got. Trackball. They make uh, an adapter for this thing that you can plug it into the TI, the Apple II, interesting, mm -hmm. and the Odyssey. Now, how does that work? The Odyssey. It's got to be the Odyssey II. That's got to be a type. Right, but the Odyssey II didn't have removable joystick ports. That's so, correct. It would be interesting to know how they did that. Well, I think the last re revision of, that, of them, they may have made those removable, but I couldn't tell you. There you go, Brent. Have me that last one, Bodo, okay. while he's looking at that. This, I don't have a box for, but this, if you've heard me talk about this on the show, I don't think we've ever shown this. Whoops. I've changed the micro switches in this thing a couple times over the years. It takes standard arcade leaf switches Bearing switches uh-huh and uh for those listening at home uh the way this joystick works uh you take and put it in your left hand and grip it kind of like you would grip uh, uh like a baseball bat your fingers actually wrap around it your index finger is one that's actually hitting the button to do your actions uh the stick on top 
it's about what three inches long and it's all clicks it's all uh micro switch controlled um i remember playing this growing up <laughs> same uh, stick yeah yeah this this i will have to say this is a great great stick um I don't remember it having so much glitter last time I used it, but I guess that kind of stuff happens. It's as great years and ago. it's fabulous. Um, I remember playing. I, I know you go. Everyone hates this game for some reason. But I remember playing Dragon's Lair with this game. Yeah, with that and, stick. Uh, you mean? Oh uh, uh, yeah, with this stick. <laughs> uh, and the reason why it was significant is you could hit your left rights up and down way more precise mm -hmm. with this than some of the that's, other things that you control. Plus, the click is very satisfying. Oh yeah, and you know. When that thing clicks, you're on the mark. Uh, it's easy to hit those marks. You can see both because we always talk about how much I suck with the gamepad. That the that the, uh, this just it's, it sets perfectly. I'm glad to know the name actually. The ergonomic. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that term even was being batted around back when this was out because this is really really old. I think I owned this joystick twice. I think I sold it with an Amiga and got it back with the same Amiga. <laughs> I'm serious about that. I mean, it's a it's a beauty. What is that a soft rubber on top? You'd say that encases it is a rubber. the controller. Mm -hmm. It's not real. It's a hard rubber. I would say. I mean, it's not really soft, uh, and uh, it's got the Wico emblazoned with the Wico embedded um, or lowered embossed. Yeah, embossed. Thank you. Uh, written on there. Let's go through all the e words. I went through eBay to try to find the stick. They're hard to find, and I could not find a one. I've not seen them anywhere. I've seen pictures of them. I also had an uh, an Epix stick that mm -hmm. was similar to this. Mm -hmm. It's it was, called the XJ something something. The Epix stick was red. It was and it had a red and black sticker on it. It was kind of like um, checkerboard. No, it was like, like straight lines strikes. with like dot, with like points on them going both ways. And it uh, and it but it was uh, uh, it was red and it had a it had a button here. I don't remember if it clicked or not. The problem with that stick was it was. It was not nearly as durable. I remember playing with it too. Yeah, and I don't remember if it was re as repairable as the Wicca. The Wicca, uh, like I said, there's stuff. Was well, this is a, the 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 Wicca we have here is a very solid. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can grip this thing, squeeze it. It, it doesn't give at all. Uh, I mean, it's a very well constructed thing. Uh, the joystick, you're, the red joystick you're describing. I remember it was a it, definitely less quality. Uh, materials that was an epic, so yeah, 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 that's yeah. I thought it was mm -hmm. an epic. All right, well, that concludes our hardware segment. Thank you, Aaron, for bringing those joysticks by and the, the uh, no problem. Ball. You'll see more of this stuff when we start uh, doing a series with the real Amiga. When we kick that back in, we're gonna fire up some of these wacky old sticks and uh, give them a shot too, so that'll be fun. But now it's time. Time to talk about Rise of the Robots. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. So, um, first thing is we've got a actual physical copy of this game with us today. Uh, this is Aaron's CD32 version. Your game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, He's on there, though. Yeah, yeah, he is on there. What's the, what's the back of the jewel case say, but Read it out. A revolution in combat games. It was. <laughs> Many people revolted. <laughs> <laughs> Unique combat intelligence. It's, it's true. It learns your style of play. Um, the first game with film quality. Uh, debatable. Controllable 3D graphics. Looks like Babylon 5. Robot attack routines choreographed by a martial arts expert. Okay. Witness the first ever morphing character to appear in a computer game. I'm not sure that that is true. 
Does this predate? In 95? I cannot think that to be true. It's 94, but Mortal Kombat had morphing characters, right? And didn't that come Shokan. out? Shokan. To be fair, didn't... What about that uh, the Blob game on the Super NES? That, that guy morphed into ladders and stuff? Remember, you, fed him, jelly, you fed him jelly yeah. beans? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that that was on regular In Nintendo. fact, that is such a lie. I don't... I can't believe they printed that. <laughs> what are you saying? That the Rise of the Robot people would lie to the public? I, I think that they might. So, thank you, Mirage Entertainment, for providing us with this this lovely disc. I uh, before we get into the into I guess the review, I was telling them before the show, I have the uh, distinction of buying this game twice. I had the uh, PC version, and I got the Amiga CD two thirty two version when I bought my CD thirty two. This is one of the added bonuses that came with it, and they were some real good bonuses. Mm -hmm. I might add. By the way, you see right here, music by music including music by brian may oh yeah brian may was a huge part of this game yeah uh, so much so that i actually have an image of brian may i want to put up on the screen keep talking while i do that all right um the uh i like the front here actual m game graphic of the robot and, and looking all shiny yeah <laughs> the lies just keep one coming yeah so so this game was released in 94 uh, you've got there he is. You really have three flavors. By the way, I love that man. Before we start trashing him, um, uh, this game was released in '94. There was a there was a version that ran on the uh, old chipset. Then there was a version that was like an AGA, and then there was a version right here. It is on CD32, and apparently the uh, they're pretty much all the same. Uh, this game had a ton of discs. I believe it was like 13 or 14 floppy discs. Uh, when it when it was released, so if you could consider that you would have to sit there and swap out thirteen or fourteen floppy disks, it's just I can't even describe how ludicrous that is. Can you think about that, Brent? Thirteen what? or fourteen <clears throat> floppy disks. I I actually I have something to add to that. Uh, five of those disks, nothing but intros. Oh, I believe it. The intros are the. S there were seven <laughs> disks. Uh, it was pretty much when you picked your character, you loaded the corresponding disc, if I remember correctly. I uh, I guess we should talk about, before we get into who made it and whatnot, let's just talk about what the game is. Uh, again, this was in 94, and this was a fighting game. Uh, the, the premise of the game is you're a robot or a cyborg, and, cyborg you're, yeah. and, you're, and you're coming to fight for the future of humanity. And to to win our future, you must defeat these uh, various robots. And uh, once you defeat them all, presumably the world is saved. That's right. All right. So it's that they're sort coming of, to get us. It's that same sort of uh, uh, wacky premise that you would expect. Uh, the uh, so how do you defeat these guys? You fight them, and uh, you fight one, then you fight the next one, and then you fight them all again. Because you fight every robot twice. Well, they get back up, and you know they're they're madder the second yeah. time. That's where all that that uh, supposed learn your technique stuff comes in. Right, um, and then you fight a, a boss, and and if you beat him, you you can you can beat the game. Um, this game was developed uh, was the, the game was developed by an outfit called, uh, or it was published by an outfit called Mirage. Now Mirage published a bunch of uh, games. I looked over their list, and you can see I've got a big list right here in front of me, and and I've not heard of, of any of these games. 
Uh, I mean, not a one. Now, there's a couple here I'd like to try. Street Hassle is one I'd like to try. <laughs> That's uh, when you're just pushing an old lady around all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I take the back. I have heard of the humans. So there's one here. Uh, but the rest of these, uh, I, you know, Pinball Hazard. It's like that. I think they just took a random <laughs> Ashes of Empire. They just took a random it sounds title like, generator and just knocked out some titles. It here. sounds like uh, what people are doing now, where they have like Clash of Clans, Heroes, of you know whatever. It's just like pinball's popular. Hazard's a word. Let's make pinball hazard. Can, can you read that next to last one off there? Rockstar, never trust rotten tangerines. All right. Well, you know, I was thinking I was reading it wrong, but yeah, that's that's what I. I read. remember a Rockstar game. But I don't remember that being the tagline. I had another tagline. So I'm not guessing that's not it. Um, the uh, that's a simulation game, by the way. Yeah, the developer of this uh, game is, they were called uh, were were called Instinct Design. Uh, they only this is all they did on the Amiga, right? Uh, you know, surprising. Now, before we get into the quality of this game, I just want to, because this is, I don't usually read who does everything on the game, but I thought this is kind of interesting. The artist on this, uh, and the, the artist and the coder in this case, is a guy named Andy Clark. He had two games on the Amiga. He had this, and he wrote a game called, and did a game called Duty. <laughs> now, so, how apropos. <laughs> uh, the uh, graphic, uh, two, the two graphics folk, Quan Lee and Sean Naden, um, they only worked on this. Now, I, I mentioned them because uh, one thing about this game, when you get it in the research, you realize that uh, everyone here, the, 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 the hype machine was out of control. It was crazy time. And everyone here is hyped for their various alternative uh, knowledge. Quan Lee was the first professional interior designer to ever work on a computer game. All right? So... That's a surprising, by 1994, no one had thought, in the midst of the multimedia revolution. Yep. And then Sean Naden was a trained technical illustrator. Okay. He well, was that makes used, sense. He was used uh, to make these crazy robots. Right. Um, you may see here, again, I'll hold this up. On the back right here is a little, there's a little thing here. It says, uh, it says, including music by Brian May. Right, Brian May. Uh, super legendary guitarist for Queen. There he is. Queen's awesome. He's got awesome hair. Yeah, right? awesome hair. Uh, he made that guitar himself. Him he, and his dad made it. Well, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and he's also an astrophysicist. Yeah, he's actually a pretty. Te he's in this sort of computery type stuff. Obviously, um, he was going to do a full album for this game. Uh, in fact, he I think he did the album. The problem is they never let him use the album it was some kind of thing with the uh with his label and so what they ended up doing was taking about what about a 30 second clip from one of his previously existing songs put it in the option screen wow so there's your brian may now i've heard on a one other version i'm thinking it's the cd no it's the 3do version that there was more brian may in there but everyone else got a little tiny clip of brian may and this Trust me when I say that this guy was hyped all over. Brian May, Brian May. If you look at the uh, the stuff that led up to the game, he was mentioned so many times about how he was impressed with the game and he couldn't wait to work on it. And they used a previously released small bit of his track. That was it. Mm. So super bait and switch right there. Wait a minute. This game, bait and switch? What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, this game, when it was released, uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, and if you know anything about this game, you've probably heard some of this before, but um, this game was super, super, super hyped. Uh, it actually started over a year before the gamers released the hype machine, they were, and they were releasing screenshots and whatnot of, of various robots, and usually the blue guy, uh, you're the guy you play the cyborg in all kinds of awesome poses. And uh, the hype, hype train was running crazy. I, I remember seeing stuff in magazines about six months ahead of it coming out, and then magazine articles, front covers, uh, about how awesome it was going to be. And you, if you guys remember how those, ga those gaming magazines were back in the day, they would hype the hell out of something, oh, even yeah. if it sucked. They didn't mm -hmm. care, you know. And so this was going to be a big deal. And it was like I said, I bought it because I was so excited about it. And I love Street Fighter and stuff, and I didn't have one. And when you were at home at the time, if you didn't have a console, you were sort of missing the boat on the whole fighting game mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so they decided to release this thing over a ton of, of consoles and computers. Uh, it came out, I believe it was released simultaneously for the 3DO, uh, the Super Nintendo, uh, PC, uh, the Philips CDI. That's a stunning one. It's a system worthy of Rise of the Robots. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Game Gear. Interesting. I, I watched a little playthrough of the Game Gear version. <laughs> Man, that was bad. Um, and of course, the uh, Genesis, and I believe also... There was a, uh, a Genesis, I mean, uh, uh, the CD version. Sega CD uh, Yeah, the version. Sega CD as well. And there was also an arcade version of this that was prototyped. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it ever got released. I saw footage of somebody playing it. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, so, all that said, Bo, now you, were you familiar with this game before you picked it up this week? No, I'd never heard of it before. I guess, you know, maybe I, I was reading lots of the console magazines back then, like right. kind of gaming monthly, stuff like that. And uh, actually in 94, I was reading just Nintendo Power. Right. So of course they, they didn't even touch Rise of the Robots. What, what did you, what were your first impressions? Take us through your 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 the way you looked at it when you came up and what you saw and what did you think? Everything up until when the game actually began was very impressive. Uh, I like the way that the text kind of scrolled across the screen like it was being typed out. It was showing you all these different pre-rendered scenes. It was really setting the stage. But as soon as the game started, there were a couple things that jumped out at me. One, um, the robots don't look anything like they do I mean they, they're 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 approximations of what the they look like on the box or you know if you read magazine articles and stuff like that but of course they're they're pixelated and they they move very slowly um, compared to the way that you think robots would move you think robot you think something that moves with a tremendous amount of speed and power these guys are all kind of floaty like the Terminator yeah yeah, yeah. Um, the it became immediately apparent, even before Brent said it on our playthrough, that you could defeat the other player by just jump kicking over and over and over again. Um, because it's really the only move that you do. If you jump towards the guy and you hit the button, you're going to do a jump kick. And you realize quickly that he cannot defend it. So that's disappointing. Um, you can't jump over your opponent. That's a huge, that's a huge <laughs> misstep. Because... You know, the strategy in fighting games is that you jump over their head and you start hitting them. And yeah. when you can't do that, it limits your options. Um, however, I will say that when the when the fights finish, 
you know, the fight just doesn't end and you go back to the character select screen. There are a couple cinematic touches, you know, where you see the, the person, the, the robot gloating, or you see your little human eye inside your cyborg gear and stuff like that. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And even though you didn't really like it, I think it's cool the way that the robots lumber out there or, you know, they have little intro sequences before the fight. And there's not a lot of fighting games that do that. I'll, I'll give you that, but if you consider... You have to see that over and over, and it's much, much worse if you're swapping discs. Sure, absolutely. If you, absolutely. Yeah. If yeah. you have, in fact, uh, I don't remember seeing the option on what we played today, but I'm 100% sure that there was an option on the Amiga version to turn off intros. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, there is. We were playing the CD32 version, and so they probably figured that, you know, since we weren't swapping discs, we'd want to have it all the time. But that makes a lot of sense, because I couldn't imagine swapping discs just to see a robot take four steps. Well, know, and that's and then, that's yeah. the thing. And and uh, uh, that's the problem with the whole game. Even as bad as it is, uh, you can fire it up, and the hype is so much, you get fired up, and you start seeing the flaws, and then you start getting worn down by the flaws, mm -hmm. and then you just start getting annoyed at all the disc swapping. Uh, <clears throat> it's quite obvious that they only made the graphics for the robots facing the side, the way that they're facing when they come out, because you can never get a robot on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, and you, when you start seeing those type of flaws and limitations it just keeps the it, the appeal of the game keeps going down further and further and, and further we haven't even talked about what is one of the most frustrating things about the game is part of the fun of every single fighting game that's come out since street fighter 2 is being able to fight with different characters yes yeah. and in this game if you play the one player game you get to play as the cyborg if you play the two-player game, one of you is playing the cyborg. Yes. Yeah, that, I remember when I first bought this and took it home and installed it, uh, I thought, okay, I don't have a selection screen, so I must have to beat the game, to, and maybe I'll get to play that guy beat. You know, there's some kind of shtick. But you, you're right. You can't play anything but the, the cyborg, and then the second player can play anything else, but you have to have the cyborg involved. I remember I was baffled at this. Mm -hmm. I could I was... It was such a stupid thing. I mean, '94. There was a lot of good stuff out '94. There was oh, plenty yeah. of good street of you know street Super fighter. Street fighter. Yeah, was I mean, '94. I believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you consider, I mean, even body blows let you pick whoever you wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and or more confident on him, he let you pick. You know, I mean, I was baffled at this. Now, to put this in perspective, uh, there was the the. Uh, Instinct Design was a team of five programmers. Okay, so five guys basically worked in this game. Now, here's the kind of puzzling thing. It was led by the former Bitmap Brother member, Sean Griffiths. Now, we've played tons of Bitmap Brothers. That was great, you know. You'd think this guy would have really kicked it in. Listen to this quote. Um, according to Griffiths, Rise of the Robot was not a conventional fighting game, and the team that, quote, using... Uh, quote, oh, let me start that again. And the team are, quote, using robots that fight and act unusually with a very high level of artificial intelligence that has never been seen before. We'll definitely have one on Street Fighter 2, unquote. So he, right there he's saying, oh, Street Fighter 2, the characters are stupid, effectively. And ours are so much smarter because they've got this incredible artificial intelligence. Uh, and like Boat mentioned, you can just literally 
it's like a rocket. You can high kick your way to success. Just keep kicking, you know, and then you win. You can effectively do that on any every level up to hard. Uh, so, <laughs> needless to say, the replay value is nil. Um, <clears throat> I will say the uh, the robots are all ray traced and rendered, right? And they used Autodesk's 3D Studio software. The game was designed natively for the Amiga, and then uh, when they decided to to spread it over to everything, they they uh, they agreed to do it. They were going to do a, a a port from the Amiga to the PC and then enhance it. So if you play this on the PC, you'll get higher uh, resolution, you know, more color. Uh, it's, I watched some videos of the PC version. Of course, I own the PC version, but it's been a while. You know, it looks pretty good. It's not. It looks a little bit better than the Amiga. The Amiga version looks pretty good. You know, was well, I guess the PC version was a DOS DOS game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, because this, you got to think this is pretty as Windows 95 even. So right. everything. But was we're, much we're DOS. still into the VGA era. Though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I looked at. I had to look at some of the console versions just to see how they stacked up. They didn't stack up that well, frankly. <laughs> I mean, there's no. This isn't a console or computer problem. This is a bad game, mm -hmm. and it was a bad game on every system. So, um, you know, they just. It was the seeds were 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 planted in something that never came to fruition. I mean, if there's artificial intelligence in this game, I'd like to know what it's doing. The uh, the fact, I mean, I don't know how this could get to release. It's one of those games I'm just baffled that this could get past play testers, management types, uh, people that invested money uh, in this game. Uh, this is something that never should have been released to the public. Uh, and this is all that it took to pretty much kill this company dead. Mm -hmm. they, they, and the thing is, this game made buckets of cash, amazingly. Uh, its initial sales are through the roof. You know, it, it topped a bunch of game charts uh, in terms of buys for a little while until people actually played it, and then it fell off and it was gone. There was a sequel to this game. I don't know if you guys remember. It's called Resurrection. Yes. Uh, it was out on the PlayStation, I believe, and maybe the Saturn. You ever played that boat? No. Um, I have played it on the PlayStation, and it was. Uh, not that good <laughs> but i mean it was like a generic fighting game but it was a fighting game it was at least it was a little more playable um uh, we mentioned that there was an arcade game made of this when this game was in development it had so much hype and stuff behind it they it released with a novel it released they were going to have action figures they talked about having a cartoon uh, and they even talked about having a, a feature movie with these guys um and an arcade game, and so they put together an arcade game. The arcade game looks a lot like the uh, the PC version, or the PC version, or the Amiga version. You can jump over the other guy in the uh, arcade version. You can't pick any character you want in the arcade version. Even if they, I mean, even if they just would have included that one that one ability to be able to pick any character that you want, you almost could forgive, you know, other things because no. No fighting games on the Amiga are super, super spectacular because of the one-button issue. Um, but just the, the fact that you have to be the cyborg is really... Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, I, think they, I think their reasoning behind it was they were trying to tell a story. Because, mm -hmm. like Aaron said, the, all the, the extra stuff they had planned, they were trying to make 
they didn't want to make a fighting game. They wanted to make a story-driven game that had fighting in it, and well, it, it didn't work in that. Yeah, level and either. you probably should name your character something other than Cyborg if you're trying <laughs> well, to tell you know an in-depth story with a movie tie-in. And <laughs> yeah, of course, Jumpman was a guy. I mean, you they can... didn't talk about making movies with Jumpman, <laughs> and yet they did. <laughs> so go figure. Um, I guess me personally, it's not a good game. It's obviously it's flawed, deeply flawed. That much said, when we played it in the live stream, um, and I've played it this week to get ready, and I'll say played it in its loosest sense, but I tried to enjoy it on some level. And what I think happened was we, I think they got in over their heads these five guys, and just release something. I think given enough time, they could have had something that was a fighting game and not whatever this is. I think they, uh, the, the all the basic building blocks are there to have a decent game. You've got good graphics. The robots look cool. Mm -hmm. There's no denying yeah. it. Yeah. They move well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't move real slow. I mean, it's not super, like, laggy. Uh, the the cutscenes are neat. Mm -hmm. The premise is neat. We didn't talk about how when you hit the when you hit somebody, the your bolts fall off. Yeah. You know, parts fall off. That's neat too. The uh, uh, I think there was the building blocks were there. It just wasn't executed well. A few uh, pretty much about this same time, I got a game for the PC called FX Fighter. You may remember that it was a PC fighting game. Mm -hmm. It was uh, more along the lines of a virtual fighter. Okay, right? three full three D. I think they did a, a better job with a kind of a. This sort of reminds me of that in a way, except this was not even they, something else. Calling this 3D is sort of loose. It's not 3D. It's just you know that was something else they hyped about these 3D rendered robots. Well, they're they're not. They're 2D, right? Uh, another game that reminds me of is called uh, One Must Fall 2097. That was a PC. With the exception that game was vastly yeah. superior. It was a PC game with much, much worse graphics, but it was better in every other conceivable is way. Is it still robot-based? It's it robot-based. In fact, you you play mecha in that, okay. and you and you fight robots, but it's it's a it's a true, proper fighting game. Still fun to this day. Oh, yeah. I, there were, didn't it... You had upgrade options or something in that? You had a bunch of different stuff you could do, and you had... A, the story mode was fun. It was a really neat game. For the PC, it was a it was a sort of a shareware, sort of like Doom or something, where you could you know buy a full version. You don't know when that came out, do you? It was about the same time. I would say it was somewhere. I was well, I was wondering if it was a competing game or not. Well, I, I will say this made way more money, <laughs> you know. But such as it is, it just goes to show you a miscarriage of justice. What do you think, Boat? Well, like I said, it's not uh, it's not a fun game, um, but it is a nice looking game. And it just goes to show you what happens when looks are given paramount performance over gameplay. And we see that time and again on the Amiga. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Brent, what'd you, what'd you think? Uh, I read something very telling that the review copies of this game were only sent out two to three days before release. And that is usually, I didn't know it at the time, but definitely looking back at it now, that's the kiss of death. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's just because like that's saying, we don't want the public to know it's bad. We want to sell it off the hype, which is exactly what they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny you should mention the reviews, because I was I was looking through the reviews in uh, Hall of Light, and you talked about a game that fell all over the map 
uh, this game scored... Actually, I've got something for that All right. since you brought it up, Aaron. Uh, with reviews, two trivia questions for you. Oh, here we go. Uh, in October of 1995, the, CD, the Amiga CD32 Gamer Magazine in issue 17 changed the Rise of the Robots review score from what score to what new score? Would you say that is A, from a previous 50% to a current 75%, Raising the grade from a C to an F, or from an F to a C, from a previous 80% to a current 0% due to issues from the CD32 version, from a 90% to a 77% losing its gamer gold uh, reward status, or from an 85% to 100% giving it the first perfect score the magazine has ever issued. I think C. I the think one C where it is, loses its gamer goal. Yeah, I think it actually it was. The gaming magazine changed the score a year after the release due to the realization of clunky gameplay plague that plagued the game. While there was no naming and shaming of the previous reviewer, who was probably quite possibly on the take, but it doesn't come <laughs> out and say that in the article, it was said that the game didn't play well and we were very disillusioned. This was despite being the cover game of the issue a year previous. <laughs> well, that's telling, isn't it? <clears throat> Another one for you guys. Keeping in the theme of the review, Rise of the Robots might be the most widely varied review of any video game in Amiga history. How wide of a difference were the review scores from the top to the bottom of different magazines? Would you say A... From 80% of high to a low of 25%, a difference of 55%. A B, a high of 89% to a low of 27%, a difference of 62%. C, a high of 85% to a low of 20%, being a margin of difference of 65%. Or D, a high of 92% and a low of 5%, Giving the margin of difference at eighty-seven percent. I know this one, but I'll let both. I'll let both answer. I think the lowest. What was B? What was the low score on B? The B low score was twenty-seven percent. Hmm. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with A. A. No. I know it. It was actually. D. D. Oh, really? Five oh, my gosh. In December of 1994, Amiga Action 64 gave Rise of the Robots an incredible score of 92%, <laughs> earning it an, an Amiga Action Accolade Award, the highest honor possible for the magazine at the time. In January of 1995, Amiga Power gave the game a measly 5% stating the only positive of the game was its great graphics. The magazine then filled up almost two pages of negatives, everything from clunky gameplay to easy victories from cheating, and the Amiga 1200, as we discussed before, having 13 discs, seven of which were for gameplay, five dedicated only to the intros. The magazine was also quoted as saying, Rise of the Robots is terrible. I'm not exaggerating. What an, astonish, an astonishing waste of time. Wow. Well, yeah. Amiga Power, they never pulled any punches. It was for sure. brutal. Yeah. Apparently, that's a pretty... I, I, I saw that mentioned many times in that article, and apparently it's one of the most scathing 
uh, reviews ever put out by any magazine. Five wow, percent. I wouldn't think anybody would give this game five percent. Well, um, is there any? Oh, what's going on with eBay? Uh, I looked this up on eBay, of course, as I'm wanting to do. Uh, right now, in the United States, this is a rarity for us. You can order, you can buy Rise of the Robots with the 13 discs and box, like new, shipped for 19 bucks. Wow, what, what a copy. deal! In the UK, uh, they're going for some bucks, uh, 30 to 40 bucks. The CDs and box, uh, I saw some in the 20s, but a lot go in the 30s and 40s, and several sold at over 30, uh, shipped several times. Uh, so, uh, you know what that is? That's the hype train that keeps on rolling. It really is. Yeah. When something gets as much hype as this game got, um, it really it transcends time. It, it, it's people are still wanting it. Some were wearing rose tinted glasses, thinking it's better than it was. Some want it because it was as bad as it was. It's the Superman sixty four. It is. Thing. I can't That's imagine it. that people. I don't know how it's possible to have rose tinted glasses about this game. If you were a little bit younger, probably. I, you know, I guarantee. When, uh, when we got this game, Aaron, I remember being so excited because uh, it was something that was so graphically superior in theory. Uh, we were just, we were awestruck. And it didn't take long to, to realize the flaws of the game, but it was great marketing. It was a year long push to get that game to the where it was. <laughs> it didn't take long to fall, though. No. <laughs> it was a year long push right off the cliff. Right off the cliff, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, um, Brent. I do have two more. I was wondering if you had any questions more trivia questions. I'm ready. All right. <clears throat> in 1995, which, although Rise of the Robots technically came out in '94, it was the December of '94. So very late in the Amiga's life at that yes. point. By the way, Commodore had already shut its doors. This did not help. No. <laughs> in 1995, the Amiga <laughs> trademark was sold to which of the following companies? That's a bad day. A, SCOM, B, Gateway 2000, C, M, A, A M, I, N, O, not sure how you actually pronounce that, Aminos. or D, KMOS. I think we both know that one. Go ahead. SCOM. Actually, mm -mm. Gateway. You're both wrong. Oh. And you're also both right. It was a bit of a trick question. Ooh. The trademark was actually sold to all four companies okay. who later produced the Amiga with a PC technology inside. Oh. Oh, wow. I remember some of those. I, I remember there was some kind of a counter Amiga, like, box. Crazy, clock. crazy times. Crazy. Let me tell you. They were desperate for why. Yeah. Well, you That's know. That's crazy. <laughs> tricky brand. You had to get us on one, didn't you? They, it... it I had to double check this several times. I think who would buy the trademark? You know, who if someone else bought the trademark, who would come up behind them, buy the trademark, and then all four companies basically did the same thing. It happened. It's weird. That is craziness. Uh, last question for you guys. Also in 1995, EA released the last piece of software for the Amiga. What was it, and why was it significant? Is it A... A version of Madden 96 called Football 96, the first time ever 
and or sense that an EA Madden game would not actually carry the Madden name. B, D-Paint 5, with D-Paint being the first piece of software ever released by EA on the Amiga. C, Shaq Fu, marking the most widely released ever game being released on an amazing 17 platforms. Or D, Psychic Detective, where the Amiga version holds the only uncensored nude scene ever released in an EA game. Wow. Those are all great options. I'm pretty sure the D-Paint one is that's not. What I, actually, I thought that's what it was. <laughs> um, okay, well, you can answer D-Paint, and i got to answer Shaq Fu, because whenever that's an answer, that's the one that I pick. I don't, I don't remember Shaq Fu being available in the Amiga. <laughs> the answer, point goes to Aaron, D-Paint. Good job. D-Paint, also known as Deluxe Paint, was the first piece of software EA ever developed uh, and released, spawning many sequels and updates, spanning the entire lifetime of the platform. In 2015, EA even released the source code to the Computer History Museum for historical reasons. Hmm. Uh, as the program, program progressed, the version of D-Paint 5 had many new features, such as added color details that eventually would support 24-bit true color even though the monitor, the screen, could not show it. Uh, D-Paint was talked to be uh, canceled due to the bankruptcy of Amiga at the time, but considering that the project was already ready to go out the door, they decided to release it to very lackluster appeal. Mm -hmm. You know, our, getting back to the Madden one, there was a Madden release on the Amiga, uh, John Madden Football, uh, and it was not bad. I remember you know, John Madden in the the arcade version of that. Well, the the guy that one of the programmers actually came from TV Sports, came from Cinema. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And didn't uh, getting back to Shaq Fu wasn't that made wasn't the the flashback guys didn't they work on Shaq Fu? Well, it was definitely like a rotoscope kind of I thing. I feel like that came up when so. we did flashback. I think they were involved with Shaq Fu. Really? I, I mean, don't hold me to it, but I think it was. That was a couple weeks ago. And just uh, an FYI for anyone out there that heard any of those answers, they are all complete BS except for the right answer. <laughs> so I don't think, oh, Shaq Fu was released on 17 platforms. I don't know if that, I have absolutely it no idea. It had to be idea. released on some that were like, it's like when they released Halo for the Atari. <laughs> right, right. You go back and retro-release them <laughs> on machines that have long, long died. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and finish up by thanking our sponsors, uh, Tom Treff, Jonas Rulo, Hobjorn Barman, Tales from, nope. Apes from the Crypt, Adam Bradley, Chris Folds, Will Williams, Daniel Bingston, Zach Z -Z -Z Zimmerman, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Chad Halstead, and some some other guy, Brent something. Thanks, me. So, uh, I want my name pronounced all cool. How do I get that done? You think well. Chris Folds was happy the way his name was pronounced? <laughs> Trust me, he's the he's the show. He keeps us honest, and I I have a fun. You're gonna be getting a note. <laughs> <laughs> a note from Lancashire, Lester, Lancashire. Lester was something else. What was the thing that we did that was Lester? No, that is where he's from. There you go. Well done. Yeah. Because <laughs> you asked us all to pronounce it. <laughs> That's right. I remember and now. And then we it's ate his back. candy. Ah, oh, that was the best episode of Amigos. <laughs> um, 
So, if you'd like to help sponsor the show and and, and uh, cause more conversations like this, All this. Uh, we actually do a 20-minute uh, pre-show before the show even starts where we talk about VR and other games that we've acquired and just general banter about whatever we want. So, uh, if that sounds appealing to you... You get uh, to hear more of me. Yeah. Uh, For the two weeks I was here. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. Uh, next week... We are going to play Super Stardust. Uh, so Beauty. Tune in for that. Actually, and, will that be two weeks? Oh, yeah. I forgot. you got to hype the big the Yeah, big event. next week, guys. Next week is the big, the big kahuna. It is the Amiga, Amigos, top ten list. Aaron's top ten. My top ten. Brent, if you want to be on the show, we can have your top ten, too. Can I just uh, say Dragon Slayer 2 ten times? Sure. <laughs> And, uh, and But we're also going to have your top ten as well. So make sure that you vote for that next week's show. It's going to be a long one, so get comfortable. We're going to go through everybody's top ten, and then we're going to live stream as many of those games as we can, too. So it's going to be a great... We may have to have a beverage for this one. Oh, yeah. I brought... I got some, I got some good stuff. And the captain will have to be involved. Yeah, definitely. So uh, make sure you tune back in for that next week. Until next time, adios. adios.